Welcome to We Do, the officially unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season one, episode four, titled, If You Don't Like My Story, Write Your Own. It's Damon Lindelof's message to everyone watching Watchmen right now. Uh, also has other meanings. Do you, do you know what the other meaning for this thing is? Yeah, I guess this is a, a quote from that um, Things Fall Apart novel which is we're going to talk about that in, in the feedback section. Um, oh, okay. But, but broadly speaking, it's a, it's a novel about uh, uh, the African experience of, of the uh, uh, white colonials first appearing and, and, and their traditional uh, beliefs being replaced by um, uh, Christian beliefs. Uh, and uh, that's like a, that, that's something that the, 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 the hero of the story is, I, I guess, a quote from them. And then it's also kind of ironic hmm. because, you know, there's a whole bunch of trials and travails that this this person goes through, and they end up as they spoil in this episode. He ends up hanging himself, and then there's uh, a, a bit at the end where um, someone's recounting this to like a regional administrator that's working for like the British colonials, and he's like, "Oh, that'd be a good that'd be a good that'd be a good that story be a good page in my book, or maybe a, a paragraph or two." Like, you know, mm-hmm. taking that this entire huge breadth of experience and just condensing it down to just a part of, you know, this this glorious colonial history. So obviously the the the, the metaphor, it works in so many ways, because, yes, it is like Damon Lindelof's middle finger to anybody mm-hmm. uh, Monday morning quarterback in his Sunday night drama. And also, like so many things in this fucking show, it goes a mile deep, too. Yeah. And in, in, in how it relates to the. Uh, the the source material. Okay, so there, you've had at least one more watch. I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think on on second viewing? I mean, I I really like the show, and I really like this episode. And I thought that after I read people's feedback, and I was looking at people theorizing, and I had a couple of conversations with friends of mine, and uh, you know, gave this another careful watch. That I think things, I, I think things are hanging together, and are not. I mean, it's, it's it's definitely fucking weird, but it's not maybe as weird and mysterious as as it looks in first glance. Um, which gives mm-hmm. me hope that like this is all going somewhere. Because like when I first, what you know, my first reaction on Sunday night is like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to say about this? I'm I'm scared. I'm scared that the show is jerking me around. Yeah. I don't think I still I like that. That's that was just uh, me being a reactionary. I, I think there is a plan here. Uh, hmm. okay. Really? Okay. Reaction- I don't know if that's the word I would label it mm-hmm. uh, as. I would use to label it. I think that that is a perfect val- perfectly valid response as a casual watcher of this show. And I'm going to say I think it's turning off a lot of casual watchers of this show. Yeah, this because sh- you watch this, you watch these episodes one time, uh-huh. and you don't go to Reddit and you don't, uh, you know, sit there and think about this episode and dig into the backstory of these events and like know anything about Watchmen yeah. in the first place. This is f- this this thing looks to me like it's spinning out of control. Yeah, if I'm a casual viewer, and and the ratings are kind of showing that. I mean. It's dropped half its audience, as far as I understand, since episode one. It, yeah. it had a little bit of a bump this week, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's, 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 getting, it's a hard show to just casually watch because it's so fucking weird. It's getting squeezed from both ends because you know you had the initial reaction of like it's you know the 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 bro contingent that's huge Watchmen like Zack Snyder fans or even comic fans are like yeah you know telling their friends that oh it's just a bunch of social justice warrior bullshit and then yeah, on the other it end of it with Watchmen right? you've got you've got like people saying it's impenetrable it's weird it's, mm-hmm. it's weird for but i, I don't know because like it's it's also kind of in like the twin peak zone 
mm-hmm. where it's There's very weird, weird but watchable and fascinating like uh-huh. like it's it's not weird like uh off-putting even though i said that sunday night uh, i think that's mostly off-putting because i feel like a responsibility to talk about it but okay. it's it's weird and watchable and very well made and acted and i feel like I, if it wasn't being squeezed from both of those ends, maybe it would find an audience of people that like that because, you know, with the, the yeah. return of Twin Peaks, it still showed that there is a, a, a certain amount of, uh, you know, fascination with the weird and mm-hmm. with, you know, success of loss, success of, of leftovers. Although, you know, like we talk about the success of leftovers, but I think it's max audience peaked at like one million. Uh-huh. So like this is kind of a piece. I mean, maybe HBO execs were hoping for, uh, leftovers with a little bit of bump because you've got this uh, well-known license attached to it, kind of. But yeah. and they got that for the first episode, like all of the There's marketing of around it, yeah. all of it. Like it was the highest, uh, premiere, the biggest premiere for mm-hmm. HBO, you know, in the history of HBO. So mm-hmm. like, it worked. It yeah. just the the show itself is you know uh, divisive for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Uh, it's it's confrontational yeah. in a way that I think is cool, but a lot of people won't like uh, and, it, and it's it, very weird it, it's it is definitely weirder than the first watchman right because a lot of the the weirdness absolutely like like yeah. if, if you like the like, thing about the watchman if is you just divorce it from like what we know about superheroes mm-hmm. like dr manhattan's fucking weird but uh-huh. he's weird in a way that we are culturally prepared to accept because we see godlike you know superheroes they don't usually lean into that but it's like mm-hmm. you know just a slight little twist of that whereas you know fishing fetuses out of crab traps in a pond is and and, incubating and then, them into adults and then and launching, firing them into the yeah, atmosphere yeah like firing them to the upper atmosphere and doing as some kind of you know catapult study that's just really fucking weird it is yeah and, and negotiating and, by way of uh baby legacy is weird absolutely right. yeah uh and and the other layer of this is the puzzle box aspect like watchmen had a central puzzle a central mm-hmm. mystery, right? It was it was at its heart like a noir detective right. kind of story. This is much much different. This mm-hmm. is like when Lindelof said, "Look, I want to put my own stamp on this. It has to be original." I think this is partially what he meant. Like mm-hmm. it, it isn't just a central mystery around the death of the comedian. It's it's something much more mysterious. Yeah, and then there's like a lot a lot of things where like. I don't I don't I don't think I saw any compelling um well I mean I guess I saw some compelling like for Lube Band for example um you, the God, only thing people were man. capable of saying that, that that was interesting is that like he might be PD uh-huh. but that is the least interesting thing about yep you know the who is the least interesting thing about lube man like yeah. what the why is why how not only just in <laughs> well, like how's pretty interesting not, yeah. not only just did the narrative but also like the meta narrative like what mm-hmm. purpose is it salt like yeah. lo- like that that one minute chase scene like what does it do to drive the plot forward it's something right yeah because like I, it, I saw, even if it's just eyes on angela doing yeah. this this wheelchair dump yeah uh it could tie into the plot but yeah i mean that is is that ultimately worth the time spent on it well i saw you know there's there's people because like i saw on reddit people saying a couple things like well you know lindelof with the leftovers and lost you know like there's all these like wild goose chases and dead end trails and i'm like maybe you could say that about lost mm-hmm. but i thought the leftovers are pretty fucking tight it is and it's way less weird than this show way less weird 
Lost gets there. Lost gets really fucking weird mm -hmm. at some point with time travel and all crazy shit. Yeah. But like Leftovers is pretty grounded. In, I guess it in, did. Like, in but, the but, vast but you, majority of its runtime. You're only saying that in the hindsight of seeing all the finales where it's like, yeah. you know, it, it's where you get to pull the, the mask off of the, the guy and Scooby-Doo tells you it's it's all got a plausible explanation. Like there's points that in those seasons where shit was really weird. And they never did that in Leftovers. They never pulled the mask back and said... This is the thing. You don't think so? No. Well, I mean, okay. They, they intentionally very, but, set out to not do. But that. I'm saying, like, they, they, there's a lot of things that looked a lot more spooky and mysterious and like divine than they actually turned out being. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that's true. not true. Maybe that's the just like my. Uh, that's probably true. But I mean, sometimes the weird pays off. Like my absolute favorite thing of this entire show so far is mm -hmm. Lube Man. Like, mm -hmm. it's such a what the fuck. Like Angela's response is perfect, and I just crack up when I watch yeah. that scene because it's so. It makes no sense. It's out of nowhere, and it's just hysterical. Yeah, and the, the, the fact that the show is kind of like doing it along with us, like the protagonist of the show is like yeah. just as like weirded out and like what the fuck as as, as we are. Um, uh -huh. I think makes it relatable too. So yeah. Mm. So I, I don't know. I really enjoy this episode. I think it's extremely weird, and I don't blame you if you can't follow it. Uh, we're gonna try and clear some stuff up. In, yeah, I mean, like, episode, I think a but... reasonable viewer at like the end of this episode could be like, you know what, I'm going to do other things with my Thanksgiving and Christmas season, and if I hear that this show actually ties up everything and and makes sense, I'll give it another try. Yeah, um, because it is like unless you're willing to play the the Reddit and the forum and the social media and the the you know Hollywood Reporter game, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's challenging. It's challenging watching at times. For a lot of reasons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some brief housekeeping. First up, uh, on Swizzbold, our new network that Jim, Cecily, and I launched, uh, the debut of Three Right Turns, a political podcast that I'm hosting. It's an introduction pod where I talk about my cultural, religious, and economic background and how it informs the show and the objectives of Three Right Turns. If that sounds cool, check out swizzbold.com or search for Three Right Turns uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Pickle Me This, our Rick and Morty podcast, is banging this week because the season premiere of Rick and Morty just dropped. See Season four, it was amazing. It's a good time. Uh, there's a bunch of fascist Care Bears in it. Check that out on Pickle Me This. On Bald Blue TV, Alexis and Cecily are doing his dark materials on HBO, a.k.a. her magical ferret hour. I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck even is dust. Also on Bald Blue TV, Jim and I are going to be talking about uh, The Mandalorian this week. We're going to be previewing that on the new Disney service. Bald Movies features Dr. Sleep last week. This week we're going to be seeing Ford versus Ferrari. Check that out if you're interested in those movies. We had the finale of American Horror Story. You can find the latest stuff we're doing at baldmove.com or search for any of these show names where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Okay, let's start off with the recap here. We we have a cold open, which is a day in the life of Clark Acres Farms, which turns into a strange one when Lady True shows up and offers them a deal. She says, got five, mi five million bucks plus one child, which you desperately want uh, for their entire 40-acre farm, and they have three minutes to decide. So they sign the contract and immediately after they do, something falls from the sky onto their land, and Lady Set and True says, that is mine. This is another, like, a, there's a lot of things going on here, but it's also another kind of play on Superman. Yep. Because uh, yeah, you lot. got Clark Acres, which is not, you know, the Kent farm. It's, mm -hmm. it's Clark, the first name of Superman, Clark Kent. And you have a couple. And is it Martha's maiden name? Is that right? Is Clark? I think that's where Clark Kent so, comes from. Yeah. So, so like, if if Superman is adopted and she was a single mom, he could have been Clark Clark. 
Yes. I don't know that. I'm not that yes, big in that Superman. No, I, I don't know. I've, I've read that somewhere. Um, but it's almost like a what if. Like, what if right before Superman crashed on their farm, mm-hmm. Kalel rather, uh, some some wealthy Vietnamese woman, trillionaire, had come and said, like, I got a perfectly genetic, because it's the same thing. Like, the kid's famously childless, mm-hmm. couldn't conceive. This is a miracle baby. One drops out of the sky. Like, yeah. like it, what if uh, she's like, hey, take this baby instead, and then they miss out on getting Superman. Mm-hmm. Um what is the thing that crashed to the ground? It's a good question. There are a lot of theories. Uh, also, I don't feel like this is a flashback anymore. Why? Because, well, the the, <laughs> the, the big thing is, I think, because I paid a lot of attention to the dissolves and transitions, and if Man. you want to say some of these transitions mean things, then all the transitions mean things, and clearly a lot of these transitions, like, uh, transitioning from wall, uh, Cal's waffle iron to a fucking gate uh, lock opening doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Mm. So if you say that all these transitions, like telescope to the moon, uh, you know, field to parking lot, mean something, then you have to explain the waffle iron and gate latch. Uh, so I guess I, I don't like that from a filmmaking perspective. Like I don't, when your transitions don't mean anything, right? Transitions are supposed to mean something. The duration of a transition means something. Uh, the style of the transition means something like all that should mean something yeah. if it's if it's all like just a fade there is for, different from a white fade to black different to fade to white like yeah yeah I, I I I agree a slow transition means longer passage of time stuff like that yeah but when you have a a puzzle box show where like part of it is kind of decoding what the fuck is going on anyway and a filmmaker is like using transitions to uh like like you have to figure out what they mean in the context of this work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's perfectly fine to vi- the break rules if you know why the rules are there and what you're doing to the audience when you're breaking them. And yeah, if the yeah. audience at the in, in, in that and here's crucially, this is how you tell if it works or not. Does the audience feel like they got uh, the, the rug pulled out from underneath them uh, and they're unhappy about it? Or is the audience yeah. think like, oh, wow, in retrospect, this is all very clever and wise. And yeah. I it, guess I'm, I think they're doing both here, which is very confusing. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's one of those things that makes me feel off put but there's clues so so the other thing is like lady true's daughter bien mm. is exactly the same like sure but she's i don't age. know that that means I, I don't know that that means as much as you think it means because she could be a clone she could be a clone there yeah. could be time travel involved like there's a lot of theories going around right now there's time travel i've not seen oh, a credible man. time travel theory there, there are time travel theories with this <laughs> millennium <laughs> clock and yeah and mm. ozymandias yeah i mean there's there's a whole bunch of like a whole bunch of ways you could explain the daughter being the same age. Yeah. Yeah, the transition is a little bit weird there. Um, but okay, yeah, let's say it's not a flashback. What what purpose does the transition serve? Doesn't matter. If you believe that, for example, uh, Adrian Veidt, uh, Ozymandias is being held off world and he has been trying to escape this prison, mm-hmm. this could very well be his flaming escape pod crashing to earth. Okay. So uh, I mean, yeah, that's if it's if a, a, it's a it's a flashback, and we're assuming that like you know he's still four years into a seven year exile or whatever it was, six or seven year exile, then mm-hmm. that you know that would you know change 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 my mind because it means Ozymandias has been back for some amount of time. We just haven't known about it. Here here's why I say time travel uh, is a possibility because she clearly knows Lady True knows that this is going to happen. I don't think she shows up on this farm, buys it with a baby and five million bucks. Mm-hmm. Sure. And just goes, oh, 
what a lucky, what a stroke of luck. Here comes right. this thing falling out of the sky. She knows what's going to hit the ground. I agree, here. but if she's running the, the prison, she probably knows that that Vite has escaped, or maybe she's released him, and, you know, like, I, there's, there's ways to explain but that she rather also, than, it, than it, her be having precognition, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, but it could also be explained by precognition. Certainly. certainly. Um, there's also a scene... So this this girl who delivers the baby, mm-hmm. uh, the daughter of Lady True, mm-hmm. is the same girl who picks up the papers in, I think yes. it's episode two, the newspapers from the newsstand. Yep. Uh... I find that interesting, and this is another reason why I'm thinking, hmm, maybe time travel? Uh, Because someone who wants to stay that up-to-date on uh, current events Mm -hmm. shows some kind of obsession. And I I wonder if the scenes that we're seeing are more of a flashback where they have gone... Or, sorry, flash-forward... Yeah, where they've gone forward in time and picked up newspapers and know that this thing is going to land so doing where the it Biff lands. Tanner, the, the, the Essentially, back to yeah. The future, yeah. Betting on the Got world future series knowledge. Thing. And yeah. so, yeah, okay. use the newspapers to get that. All right. I don't know, but it's possible. Uh, there's also a little uh, Easter egg here that the lady, uh, uh, Mrs. K- Clark, is reading this book called Fog Dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which in the 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 Watchmen universe is written by an author named by the name of Max Shea, uh, which was one of the guy who who did the kind of like the backstory for the Squid Invasion. Uh, one of the many many people that Adrian Veidt hired and then murdered to cover up uh, the conspiracy to do this. And I think that this it, it, this the the point this serves other than to be an Easter egg is also to tightly tie in this Lady True plot with what Ozymandias was doing, like whatever she's doing with this Millennium Clock, which. By the way, she took pains, even though elsewhere in the episodes they she they they call it just a clock. She says it's much more than a big clock. Yeah. Uh, in this 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 three minutes she spends with the Clark. So but it does tell time. It does tell time because like much more means yes, it is a clock, mm-hmm. but it also is much more than that. And I I think that there's whatever this thing is, it's going to be central to the plot in the same way that Adrian's psychic squids were, were well, psychic squid was, was uh, instrumental and, and pivotal to the original Watchmen. Yeah. Um, it's also, I think important to note how angry she is. Uh, she seems to be about these non-viable eggs where she says bullshit. Yeah. Uh, which will kind of come in later, I think with a lot of speculation. Hmm. theorizing oh really i'm interested in yeah i I mean eggs are all over this fucking show and particularly this episode yeah um this lady tripping and ruin all the eggs and the guy saves the one yeah there's definitely definitely i mean the intro of the episode is the watchman logo breaking out of an egg right yeah and and it's sure as shit is uh okay then we transition back to town where angela removes every trace of will from her what i'm calling the fakery uh, the Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage calls to tell they f- tell her they found a new branch of her family tree. So she goes there, she breaks in, and does a little genealogical research. Uh, and then Angela's car drops out of the sky. She runs outside to find Lori laughing about it. Uh, and they, they call it in. And Oh, and she grabs Will's pills out of the glove box. Mm-hmm. Important. Um, there's a couple things here. A lot that- of stuff. I thought was was interesting the fact that like Angela burnt her grandfather's note. 
I got the impression that was an accident. Like she was gonna oh, no, go. Totally. Yeah, but, she was gonna go like, to burn it, but then she had second thoughts, and then she accidentally burned it. This, this idea of being careless with one's legacy mm-hmm. is, I think, what they're trying to get across there. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting how they said that like there's they they the camera lingered on this ancestry being paid by generous donations from the legend fund. Yes. Like. Did did you find any connections? Like, is the okay? I wonder. I don't think we know what the legend fund is. That's yet. one thing I had as a note to research, and I literally like, I I, I spent as much time until we got to record this as, and that was one I didn't get a lot around to. And I'm like, I wonder if that has shown up in other episodes. Yeah. Um. The other thing is like, have people been speculating that Will was a direct ancestor to Bass Reeves, the the famed black lawman from the Oklahoma territories? Because this scene uh, blows that up, I think, by showing that like uh, this 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 guy's uh, her grandfather goes by Will Reeves, but his parents' last names were Williams and Roberson. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, uh, it it seems that that this this is a, an alias that he took from his childhood hero. Yeah. Uh, so the Will Reeves identity is in, is apparently entirely fictitious. Yep. Um. And I also thought it was there's something weird about the way this computer is putting together data, and that it says that uh, the your grand great grandparents and their only son was killed in this riot, mm-hmm. but you do have a grandfather who has a mysterious past. We don't even know his last name. We don't have a picture. Is it not weird that? There like, shouldn't be a link there. Well, or or if there is a link, then why don't they just express like why 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 isn't it just a, a explicit? Like if they're doing DNA matching and all that stuff, like I'm 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 curious. There, there's some kind of omission here that's important, or uh, or it's just a it's just a, a script fart. But I, I and I couldn't quite figure out what because it seems like you're I, I right. Mean, if like, your entire family dies in in race riots. Yeah. You don't have a great grandfather because you don't right. exist. Yes. Like that's, that's, that's the saying. whole thing. Yeah, it's... like like this computer, like those great grandparents link should be missing, or it should just say, "Oh, this guy's." I guess I guess the other option could be that like this is a bastard child of of her father or mother. You know, okay. that's like it's not it's not uh, the Williams Robeson reunion. It's some kind of outside the lines kind of cut. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like it's important that the thing made this inference, but it didn't also make the inference hmm. but I'm, I'm not sure what it what it means yeah uh and then she very much does not want anything to do with this legacy right she's actively against it Be- because i think of the, yeah. the just the wrinkle in her life yeah that she doesn't want at the moment like she's got enough fucking shit to deal with right sure. now this this legacy being tossed on top of her. I really liked how they overlaid like Will's holographic face with hers, mm-hmm. and then as she rejects him, like her face, like it, the camera pushes past the hologram, and it's just her face, mm-hmm. like stands alone. You know, pretty pretty nifty visual storytelling there. This this is a this is a practically a fucking museum. This place, like mm-hmm. with with serious works of art, like. This tree thing where it spits out an acorn and you put it in this receptacle that then reads the acorn somehow mm-hmm. and projects this family tree image mm-hmm. that grows and it's animated. Like this is a really fucking involved thing for what what could be expressed just as easily on a piece of graph paper with a chart. Right, and you could take it home with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
No, every house has an acorn. Well, in the Watchmen universe, on. that 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 Jaws 4D technology that Marty McFly was all about, they they they, they really ran with that. And our and yeah. our like in, in our timeline, it kind of peters out with 3D goggles, but uh, they they really they really took the 4D Jaws stuff to its logical conclusion of an ancestry. It, it was the only non-Manhattan powered piece of technology they had yeah so they had to run with it that's true yeah. Yeah. everything else was banned they just went overboard on this. these uh, you think these cars run in electricity nope holographic <laughs> holographic trees uh-huh. they took a whole bunch of holographic trees they compressed them under a holographic sea for b- millions of holographic years and they came up with holographic oil that's that's what a do fact. holographs eat we might be talking about that at some point there's a whew, rick and morty crossover uh-huh uh, okay, let's move on to Angela getting home. Her bed is completely full, so she goes to sleep with her son, where she lies to him about where she was, and they talk about how scared they are of the, the terrorist attack that happened, uh, where Judd blew up. And he apparently gives Topher his... was there. His little sisters were Yeah, I don't recall seeing him, but... I don't either, but he apparently he was. The kid says he, and I don't know why he'd lie. His mom was there for sure, and she would know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he gives her his stuffed cat... To comfort her, so it's it's supposed to be a stuffed uh, version of Ozymandias's uh, genetically engineered lynx tiger. Yeah, Bubastis. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which was kind of cool to see. Uh, anything you want to talk about here, mm-hmm. or keep going? Okay, the next morning, Angela tells Cal what she got up to last night, and the kids are arguing over whether Judd is in heaven now. And Cal steps in to tell them heaven isn't real, and Judd is nowhere, just like he was before he was born. I don't think this may be a controversial opinion. Uh-huh. I don't think this is a controversial thing to tell children. Uh, it's what I've what I what the way I've rolled. I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, from from my point of view, anyway. I, I think if you think that this is a incredibly depressing thing to tell a child and a, a a piece of information that should be hidden from your children, you're probably coming from from a perspective where you were not given the truth about death mm-hmm. when you were a child. <laughs> I mean, and I can understand like yeah. why you might think that, but well, everybody's entitled to their own beliefs on the afterlife. I just think that this is sure. like a lot. Of, a lot of people when they decide not to believe in whatever afterlife they 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 don't think about like like the way that uh, Cal broke this down about like you know death isn't scary, just like before you were born isn't yeah. scary. Exactly, um, is a great way to do it. Now, I think he does a great job explaining it in this universe, though you can't help but notice that like there is an exception to this which is dr manhattan Mm. i mean dr manhattan was nowhere for like three months and then he came back fully reconstituted not even fully reconstituted reconstituted better than ever Mm. so is there a there there i mean i'm not saying uncle judd is manhattan i'm just saying that like in cal's universe you wouldn't be the only one if you were to say that in cal's universe especially when you know that the russians are working on intrinsic field technology perhaps making their own dr manhattan like there are exceptions to like death being the end and they never really explain like how john osterman did that feat like if if something vaporizes you and kills you completely what what you know, where cons- does your consciousness reside? Yeah, there has to be a structure. There has to be some kind of like, unless you want to go talking about the soul, you know, then you've got to clear out. But if you want to stay, you know, uh, material, you want to stay uh, secular, then you have to explain by what mechanism did his consciousness uh, prevail. Yeah, and I always took it as just like, don't think about it. Yeah, this is it's you superhero know, shit. This is yeah, crazy like. But I I think that they're like, this is Lindelof's way of saying we should be thinking about that because like, you know, if it's like, uh, 
uh, you know, D- Dr. Manhattan is the Jesus Christ in this example. He's the the human that came back, you know. Mm. Um, and it seems like an interesting point to make in this this particular universe. That's all I want to say. And awful. Also, uh, you know, what better way to assuage children's grief over the the empty nothingness that is human life, but with waffles? Sure, that'd work for me. Yeah. It's been working for 37 years. (laughs) No one gave me waffles when I realized there was nothing after death. So waffles, you got to follow that up with waffles. Uh, A lot of people are using this cold uh, explanation of death, uh, portrayal of death, to try and theorize that Cal is Dr. Manhattan. I'm not buying it. Yeah, because like again, this is like my my, uh, cultural baggage, I guess. I don't see that as cold or heartless. Uh, Like it seemed like he was being a dad, Mm -hmm. you know? Seemed like it. All right. Uh, Angel visits uh, Looking Glass in his prepper bunker. She asks him, oh, uh, he's been taking pictures of these squids. He, as soon as the sirens go off, he, he goes up there and he snaps some photos. But, uh, but but Wade, every single time he hears that siren, runs to his bunker because he's afraid it's going to be the big one. Yeah. That's, that's living your life in a lot of fear, Wade. Sure is. Uh, so she asks him to get his ex to tell her the what Will's pills are. Mm-hmm. Uh, LG is reluctant to dig on Judd's murder until Angela shows him this KKK uniform she found in his closet and asks him to hold on to it for her. It's interesting when she said, she asked him, did you know Judd was a racist? He's like, well, he's a white man in Oklahoma. Wade himself being a white man in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think he's. Uh, I, I don't know that that's like because a lot of people were saying that that's like coming out of a hint or smoking gun. But I think it's like just being, you know, aware of the situation. Like I, 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 uh, I would never deny that I am racist. Like I, I try. I, I work at it. I, tr- I try not to be. Okay. But like, uh, you know, in, in the sense that like uh, you have uh, biases, unconscious biases that uh, I, I benefit from a society that was built on racism. Um, but it's like, then when, you know, you, you pull, you, you, there's, there, there, there's, there's a difference between like, you know, racist and baseline racism that you kind of you absorb in the environment and also pull out of your backpack. Well, here's a clan robe. Are right. you this racist? Yeah. I yeah. thought that was kind of, uh, that was interesting. Yeah, I, I find it interesting his obsession with the squids too, and he when especially his line about you know it's thirty seconds of life and they spend all of it dying because mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that's what Looking Glass is doing. Like when you're prepping for the big one constantly and you're living your life in that much fear, it sort of prevents you from actually living a life. Right? Yeah, like what life are you trying to? You're preserve? living for your own death, and like mm-hmm. man, Rick and Morty is all up in the Watchmen yep. this this week because yep. there's some stuff about that in Rick and Morty this week. The blew up Lindelof spot. Yeah, I, I, I just he doesn't see the hypocrisy in that, or maybe he does. He's self aware enough to see it, right? He's got to be. Wade, are you talking about? Yeah, is, is self. I'm sorry, uh, self aware enough for what? I, I I got lost in the the irony of describing these squids as spending their entire lives ah, dying. Yeah, when he himself is essentially doing the same yeah. by prepping like, constantly. Like, what's the difference in spending all your life not dying versus spending your life dying? Spending your life obsessing over death. It's 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 like, you're spending your life uh, not full utilizing your free will properly. Right, to, and I think live. these two scenes, the one before this, where Cal explains that you were nothing and you will become nothing, ties in with this, where he uh, he essentially bemoans the fact that these beings with such short lives, which I would kind of describe humans as, mm-hmm. uh, spend all of it worrying about their own death or dying. Mm-hmm. I think those two things are go hand in hand. I I buy it. Uh, I like 
LG saying that maybe this thing is just a keepsake. I mean, it's <laughs> because like, we have speculated that. Sure, that, yeah. You know, maybe this is just a legacy, and in some weird fucked up uh, justification in his own head, Judd was able to divorce like his own belief system with this built-in like well, have you seen like there's like every once in a while just makes the social media rounds that there's this black man who like intentionally tries to befriend white supremacists and he has in his closet a collection of like robes that like once they you know get out of the clan and express regret from it they like give him their robes and their like trophies he's got like 60 of them hanging in his closet when i was seeing this hmm. and he said it's like well maybe it's just uh like a keepsake i'm thinking like three generations from now like someone like one of his great grandchildren are going to die and no one's going to remember this guy and his mission and they're just mm -hmm. going to go up to this like black family's home and there's going to be like 60 clan robes in some old moldy yeah. closet and people are going to go what the fuck so it's like <laughs> it's not but i mean the, the, the thing is like the whole like you have a secret compartment it's all like lovingly like like it, yeah. that's that's what makes it weird to to that person write a fucking note write a note today <laughs> leave it in your closet right yeah write a like write a journal of of like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. for sure Drop it off at your local right wing newspaper, uh -huh, newspaper, uh -huh. and let them publish it thirty yeah. years after your death. Yeah, and it's it's a it's also it's a big difference like having like a like a black man having sixty clan robes in his closet versus a white guy having one. You know, there is a difference. There, yeah. There's like there's a lot of different like there's a lot more like room for what the fuck in that set you than think there is a lot on the ladder. Yeah, about, about yeah, the yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's like it's either the Dave Chappelle skit or right. you know. <laughs> Uh, is he trying to research squids himself? Like, does he think he has the look at the big brain on Looking Glass? He can he can outdo all the scientists globally. I mean, and somehow come up with the solution. I the do people do right? Like, it's like yeah. you see that with like people like researching uh, the global warming and flat Earth. Yeah, and, no, it's that it's that very much conspiratorial, yeah. counterintuitive thing. He's, he's also very pre, like preternaturally good at his job, and I, you know, that that's kind of fits the type. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, a really talented engineer, and he's always been really, and he's always been very successful in school, and then he thinks that. Uh, because of success bias that uh, anything they, they they he bends his his brain to he can, it will yield to him and then he decides he mm -hmm. can you know his his research is just as valid as someone who's had decades of experience in the field like i mm -hmm. could totally or if you also may maybe he thinks that this is some kind of conspiracy and the experts aren't giving them correct information so like yeah maybe he's amateur but at least he's doing a good faith effort and right. investigating like that the, the conspiracy shit man yeah. uh who yeah it doesn't really make sense all right we move on to angela suiting up and disposing of will's wheelchair uh she is spotted by some guy in a silver suit who sprints away from her while while she's giving chase uh he runs through the streets spraying himself with lube and then slides directly into a storm drain um I mean, the internet has made all the jokes about this mm -hmm. and the Dr. Manhattan dildo and the fact that it's my, so I'm not going to, I'm going to dispense with all that and make, write your own. Uh, Jim, uh, God help me. I did some freeze frame analysis trying to figure out if this guy's lips, this Don't guy's lips were like, lips, like, man. PD, like he's got full lips and uh -huh. like PD does too, but 
Petey's got like 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 they're they're like pointier, but then maybe they're not as pointy because the the mask is constricting them. Like I I I don't know. I <laughs> I don't no. buy I don't buy Madness. that Agent Petey's running around in Tulsa investigating this as a although. I, it could be. It yeah. might not be. There's no way to say for sure. Nah. He has a slender frame. It makes a lot of sense. The guy's obsessed with the Minutemen, and sure. he's like he's, he's fanboying about him, and he's he wants to wear a mask himself. And yeah. what, what would Agent PD? What kind of lame superpower would he have? Lube. This is the lamest of superpowers. Yeah. Like Batman, but it's undeniably effective. In this one scenario, in this one scenario, yes, very effective. What if he had? Although, this... man, I would have fucking loved a scene where she like wrestles with him, uh-huh. like he sprays himself down with lube, and she tries to grab onto him, and it's slipping well, like and sliding I said, down I, the I, street. Uh, did I did I mention this in the podcast, the the instant take podcast or talk podcast? Because like the I swear to God, when he started lighting himself with those chemicals and that and that yes. silver kind of, I thought he was going to light himself on fire and me be too. like, try to tackle me, uh-huh. try to you know, can't arrest what you can't touch. But yeah, like the like. <laughs> And then just what he actually did. You're right. Like, what possible, <laughs> what other applications are there? You could slide under a car. You could uh-huh. slide under a tree. Like, you can slide under things. You can fit through tight openings. But, sure. But not, like, arbitrarily tight. You can fit through as tight uh-huh. as an op- opening as a lubed-up human can fit through. Right. And you can go through that opening slightly faster than someone who is not lubed up. Yeah. yeah. Like, you might gain 10 seconds on them, which yeah. might be enough to let you get away, but... I mean, maybe he's trained or he's got like a small frame and he's got his body fat down to two or three percent. So like any any like he's in the top one percent of of thin cross sections. Mm -hmm. But still, still. I don't know. All I know is I love this scene. It's my favorite scene of the entire show so far. Makes no fucking sense. But there Mm -hmm. it is. Mm hmm. Uh, Let's move on. Well, so we talked about whether it could be PD. The other. um suggestion that i saw that i thought was interesting is do you remember the future is bright man mm-hmm. uh the guy is holding that sign it could be him and this is kind of like a parallel to rorschach who you saw you know the homeless guy holding the end is near and it turns out that was a mass crusader um it didn't would that be i have like long dreads i didn't think so i thought he was a little he, he was a. Uh, mm. I thought he was uh might be misremembering him no i i, I looked at picture i wouldn't say he had dreads no okay. but I was going to say, whoever's in the suit can't have that much hair, but... Well, what if the suit just really compresses the hair down? Yeah. It could be a super tight suit. Yep. <laughs> you, you, you case those dreads in silver and spray, uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. some kind of silicon lube over it, and who knows what can happen. All right, let's move on to Senator Keene at the precinct, uh, thanking Angela for saving his life, also thereby revealing that he knows her true identity. Uh, Angela asks Red and Pyre Jenny about the slippery guy's belt but they say the new boss won't care and it turns out that new boss is Lori who tells Angela they found Will's fingerprints in her car and she of course connects that to the wheelchair because he's very old making Angela a suspect in Judd's murder I think and Petey enters with another lead I love how good Lori is at pulling in all this and and making these inferences and yet and how cool Angela is playing this because like it seems like every 30 seconds, Lori picks up another piece of information and incriminates her, and Angela's just holding her frame, not giving an inch. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely like a an inference that mm. someone, you know, extremely elderly would have to be in a wheelchair uh, and therefore would be, you know, at the site of the murder and also in her car. Like, mm-hmm. 
there's no like real solid evidence. It all seems pretty circumstantial. But man, one more piece. One more piece slots in, and she might get arrested. Yeah, yeah. By the FBI. Yep, because it, uh, it it puts her at the scene of the crime. Like, mm -hmm. if they can connect that with, you know, Angela, then it's kind of game over. Uh, yeah. I mean, we know that she's not responsible for it, but, like, good luck talking yourself out of that particular uh, uh, problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we make about Keen? Like, I mean, to me, like I've I've speculated he's Seventh Cavalry. I think he's a little being borderline mustache twirling. Uh, mm -hmm. the way he's taunting Angela with her true identity, and you know that that was not a friendly uh that was not a friendly confrontation they had uh, on the elevator. Kind of, I, I was yeah. shocked that they're that that he's being this openly kind of uh, evil adjacent at this point in the the plot. Yeah, I didn't do much thinking about Keen this episode. Okay, well, there's a lot more, a lot more to think about. Maybe he's he's Luke Man. Be, oh fuck! I mean, he he's the sewer connects right the to the police department, person, but... and he skated down there, took off his silver suit just in time mm -hmm. to meet with his bodyguards to taunt Angela about her identity. Yeah, the fringes of his coat have lube all over him. You should <laughs> go back and freeze frame for sure. Uh. Okay, Lori, Angela, and PD drive to their this new lead, which we'll find out is Lady True. Uh, as they discuss thermodynamic miracles and traumas from their past, Lori has PD tell Angela about her traumatic backstory. I thought it was pretty funny when we were watching the show in real time. We were like making a joke. It's like imagine if like PD's just stuck in the back of this car with his mm -hmm. hands folded in his lap, listening to these women have this conversation. Yeah, and then they pan back to him so he can exposit about uh, Lori's background. How much do we know about Angela's trauma? Like her parents are dead. Yes, uh, we don't really know the circumstances no, around we that. Don't. And there's some shared trap, not shared tragedy, but there's some shared bond over tragedy because there's this there's this accident that so, so, yeah and they met in vietnam and there's an accident like is it the type of accident that would wipe out both sets of parents and you kind of grow up together in circumstances or it's something I, I i'm 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 curious about like is the accident something they shared or they're just bonding over the fact that they both lost their parents who knows because they're not you know, this is this is kind of cool because as, as frustrating as it can be sometimes, like uh, I like it when characters have these conversations where they don't like like artificially be like, yeah, the accident. Remember when, you know, because right, right. like why? Why? That? No one talks like that. You prefer passive aggressive exposition. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> if you and I were talking about our, our, our shared history of like, you know, being Jehovah's Witnesses, we wouldn't yeah. like every single time we bring it up. It's not like you don't remember when we grew up in the same congregation of blah, 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 blah. And you got this. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. Probably not. No. Uh, I, I was watching the scene thinking, okay, this is clearly here for people who haven't read or seen the old Watchmen stuff. Sure. But I, I admire how it also works for people who have because they're not just expositing mm -hmm. here. They're also uh, giving you glimpses into characters, right? Mm -hmm. Giving you glimpses into Lori. How, how you know, she she's unwilling to tell Angela about her own trauma, coming from her own mouth but she's willing to sit there while someone else tells angela about it uh which i think is an interesting glimpse into Lori. it's a power play too which is also an interesting, a bit yeah. yeah yeah i mean all of this serves a a larger purpose not just exposition so it works for me as someone who does know all this stuff that pd is saying already sure uh, and i'm i'm they're pretty good about doing that never never just doing things because they need information on the screen let me ask you this 
Lori has this theory that people who wear masks are driven by trauma mm -hmm. and to write injustices that they and themselves have experienced. How does this mask analysis fit in with the Klan or the Seventh Cavalry? Are they suggesting that these all clansmen are traumatized, that they're fighting an injustice that they themselves experience? Like, it does seem like there is, maybe are they the exception that proves the rule? Uh, the, the whole, the, when I was watching this the second time, I'm like, well, there's two factions that are wearing masks here. Mm. And like, you know, like I, I don't actually mind, you know, the, the concept of empathizing with a racist, you know, like, cause I don't think people like are born out of the womb, like rare to be racist. And like, that's why I want to be, I'm going to be that racist guy. It's like, mm. it's almost always a pretty sad set of circumstances, education, um, uh, uh, negative socioeconomic status. Um, but still like that and like it feels like the FBI's analysis of these crusaders falls flat when you start to deal with it in that way. There's like many different reasons why people would wear masks and do the things they do. I think so. Maybe that's a blind yeah. spot that they're suggesting the characters have. Could be, but I think in in Angela's case it is sort of true, right? I mean the the look at the genesis of her costume mm -hmm. it, and her mask. It is all about the white knight. It's all about the the killing of all of her friends and then like that's a serious trauma in her life, sure. and it spawned that. So I, I think Lori does have her pegged. I, I do agree though that there are circumstances in which that wouldn't be true. I did like the the meta commentary of if 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 the Minutemen is the is a TV show about the Watchmen, and this Watchmen is definitely a TV show about the Watchmen, and the agent dismissing it as garbage. Uh -huh. I, I I like that. That's pretty funny. Okay, so they show up at uh, True Industries. I don't know what to call this place. It's just called True. Uh, where they speak with Lady True and her daughter, Beyond. Uh, they ask her for a list of people who can fly their flying ships, and Lady True hands it over and then asks Angela in Vietnamese whether she got Will's pills, uh, which she just says, you know, the old man, old fucker can ask me himself. And then they notice the statue of Ozymandias and discuss why he looks so old. I'm sure you saw the, uh, uh, what do they call it, the, the carbon vite? theory uh, -huh. uh that this yep. is actually some sort of uh stasis that ozzy is literally locked into that uh, uh statue and experiencing all these things in his head and the or, or that he was picked up after he fell to earth in this this opening scene and then encased in this statue that would be the word uh, to me that's the word that would be well i mean i don't know after Maybe escaping could... you know his prison before now right. he's re-prisoned like he just just now he's in even a worse prison like yeah. to me that'd be the most anticlimactic explanation mm -hmm. um i don't think much of the theory um which means it's probably right <laughs> Probably, yeah. Because it does much of look startlingly like the the pose mm -hmm. and the imagery and everything that we saw uh, Ozymandias do last last episode after his confrontation with the game warden. Yeah. So I just don't like it. I guess it seems a little too. <laughs> it seems a little too on the nose. Yeah. Uh, but you're you're probably correct saying that if we think it's wrong, it's right. And the other the other things you're supposed to notice here is like this is a building that is literally designed to just to, to survive an apocalypse, mm. uh, tsunami, earthquake, volcanism, uh, anything direct of a, a direct nuclear missile strike is going to leave this clock uh, undamaged, which I think is significant. Yeah. Uh, if you if you think about in terms of like the original Watchmen and how Doomsday Apocalyptic it, it end up get, getting at the end, mm -hmm. uh, and then also the thing you're supposed to notice is this vivarium is very similar to the one Ozymandias built in uh, the North Pole, 
or wait, no, Antarctica, the South yeah. Pole. And it's also the type of building you might need to build on Mars if you wanted to contain some cantankerous old dude. Uh, sure. Safe from the vacuum of space. So those, because yeah. like I said, this is the, uh, it seems like everyone's kind of like on the, it's not a, a Dr. Manhattan type of prison. It's a Lady True type prison. Mm-hmm. It does seem a little still beyond her abilities. But then again, she's got a trillion dollars, Jim. Like what if Elon Musk had a trillion dollars? He's just a billionaire. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do with a trillion dollars. There's lots you can do with a trillion that you can't do with a billion. True. Lakes full of babies, one of those things. Uh, the other thing I noticed about this scene is when Petey goes to follow them, she, the beyond dismisses him, says ladies only, mm-hmm. which I feel like is just in there to, to, to see how many men they can trigger with that. Uh, well, not only that, but also it's like, like, uh, like here's a breaking the medicine. Bechtel test. Like not only are okay. we going to have females mm-hmm. having conversations that are not about a man or even a man yeah. presence, we're going to like spike it in the, 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 the man's face that we're doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 pretty funny. Yeah, I liked it. All right, we move on to some of the weirdest scenes in the episode, aside from maybe Lube Man. Uh, Ozymandias. Always bring, you think Lube Man's weird. weirder than this? Uh, there's the Maybe Lube, contextually. Lube it's fucking weird. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, maybe not as entertaining as Lube Man, okay. but definitely weirder. How about that? Uh, I'll, I'll buy that. Uh, Ozzy is fishing fetuses out of a lake, mm-hmm. like you do. And he puts them in an incubator where they grow into full adults in a matter of minutes. He takes them to his manor and introduces them to their new life as his personal servants. And they conduct more experiments flinging bodies into the sky. Yeah, there's a lot of things, I think. I, there's a lot of things I like. Like, I love the transition. Because I, you already knew what was going to happen when he puts these babies in the chamber. Yeah. And one of them was a boy, one of them was a girl. But I still like the the... the the nifty thing where they just they stay on Jeremy Irons' face as you hear these babies crying turn into full-grown adult screaming mm-hmm. in in the chamber. Um, they also show him eating cake, so you know you don't have to. You can imagine that he, for he's a jolly good fellow preceded the massacre that happened in, in the manor. <laughs> um, and there's also like this kind of interesting thing he says where uh, you guys are fl- you are flaws in this thoughtful design, thoughtless design. I would never burden creatures uh, such as yourself with the gift of life when you have no purpose except to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take off the exception to serve, that's an accurate description of humans. We are given the gift of life, and yet we have no purpose. Mm-hmm. What is what? What's the commentary there, or is there any, or is it? Like, I mean, I think that is the commentary. Yeah, yeah, like it's definitely saying something about human existence does that show but is that like a, bl- the, a blind spot that ozymandias himself has that he like he's he's being dismissive of these creatures yet i don't know are they are they incapable or of he having might it? view himself as something beyond a human right at this point like 30 years on from where he was at the end of watchman he, he thinks a lot of himself for sure he absolutely has an ego yeah um what does he, he mean here, here's the thing though about this okay I, I i don't think enough people are talking about what an absolute atrocity is being committed here. Uh, like, in as much as this show is about slavery, mm-hmm. I look at these servants mm-hmm. and I look at the things that Jeremy Irons is saying to them, and I can't help but draw parallels here. Yeah. And no one is. T- everyone is like all entertained by, oh, look at Ozzy doing these weird things. Ha ha, kill servants. Ha ha. This is fucking dark. Yeah. It's real dark, and it's I don't see anybody talking uh-huh. about the 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 massacres, the abuses, the 
like the heinous shit that he's doing to people is it because they're white because if they were black this would be a d d hugely different conversation i guess that's true yeah you have this this uh if they were uh, race of servants. beings that are created for the purpose of servitude and yeah. their lives are and they're just being brought spent in from this to the for, for the master's amusement yeah no yeah. you're not wrong you're not wrong no it's fucked up nobody's uh, talking about it and i don't know why Probably because like nobody's outraged because like it's it's probably part of the commentary people assuming it. but yeah you're right why isn't why isn't people I haven't even seen any people be taking a note of how it ties into the main narrative. There's your note. Uh, what is the deal with the horseshoe? Because there's it's, uh, like in I the first that episode he puts it on that knife. Well, yeah, like, it's like yeah. it's like a ringer. Uh -huh. But but I also see he says I don't need this yet. Is there like is is this like? If is this like a test? Like that horseshoe is a magic ticket to get home, and if he will just accept that he needs it, that he is like, is this his? Because because I don't know. Because I uh, in the first episode he makes a wry comment about like you know no 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 put that uh, that's that's mm -hmm. not. I just assumed it was like this clone not really understanding cutlery, but like him saying to this dead man, no, I don't need this yet. I, what does that mean? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. The horseshoe is something. It's definitely something. And and I feel like we've gotten sort of distracted by the experiments and yeah. we're thinking less about the play now. Yeah. Because the play has to somehow be important. I don't think it's for his own amusement that he's putting on this play. Is it just like he doesn't need luck? Is it like his rejection of luck because you know that's like the stereotypical horseshoe, it's lucky. It's a it's a yeah. lucky implement. Could be, but yeah, maybe he's because there's a lot of talk about you know how Adrian Veidt made his money in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like he inherited this big amount of wealth and then he gave it all away mm -hmm. and said, "I'm going to fucking do it myself because I'm the smartest man in the history of the world." Mm -hmm. uh, and then he did it. So you could say in essentially that he has turned down luck before uh, with this massive inheritance. So yeah, if he's the kind of person who doesn't believe he needs luck and he's not desperate enough to take the luck, yeah that he needs to get out of this situation yet. Yeah, I wonder uh, if he like if he rings that um or some somehow uses it it calls the game warden and the simulation's over or something. I I I'm predicting oh, yeah. that there's going it's to like be a, some kind of literal use of this horseshoe as a tool. Yeah. Uh, it's the equivalent of his safe word. Yeah. Yeah, 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 horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good safe word too. Pretty good. Yeah. I can't think of that turning up much in in many sex acts. No. You're probably right. Okay, let's move on. Uh, and if, if you don't need to email us on that, if there's, there's, if there's something we're missing, I, I I'm 43 years old. I've seen a lot. I don't. I, uh, brains all full up with that kind of stuff at this point. All right, let's take that out of our brains. Put this in four candles, four years. Uh -huh. And he says, since I was sent here, let the theorizing commence. I mean, the theory has already been crafted. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be seven years, and he's going to escape. Uh, what uh, I don't understand is like, so obviously, you know, he's trying to test independently a spacesuit with mm -hmm. a, a, a way to launch, but like, what's the plan? You get launched into space, you're in a spacesuit. Yep. You have to deal with the fact that you're several hundred yards above a surface. Is like the next step some kind of parachute? What's, a, you know? On the moon? Well, that's what I'm saying, or Mars, either way, they don't work. You're like, you need retro rockets uh -huh. and shit because there's just not enough atmosphere there. Right. So I'm wondering. And I, so, so is the speculation that he's on the moon now based on this transition? Because I don't know how much I'm supposed nope, trans to. Nope, because the transitions don't mean anything. Right. I don't know how much I'm supposed to believe those. So I've seen theorization that he is underwater. Uh, I've seen all, all kinds of theories. 
um, because a suit might actually get you out from underwater. Although if you're deep enough, it's not going to fucking matter. It'll just yeah, crush but, you. But but that's what I'm saying. Mr. Cow skin is not going to help you. Mr. Phillips wasn't like flooded and crushed. He was frozen and asphyxiated. That to me, it's, that implies outer space. Right. But yeah, me too. It could be a satellite thing too. It could be he could be in some kind of orbital platform prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then yeah, how would the gravity work? How does the gravity work anyway? Because whether he's on a, or the Earth or whether he's on Mars or the Moon. Uh, it still doesn't have gravity to like you know just kind of like walk around or to bring a body back down if it went up. And Lady like... True is a, she's she's a, a expert in genetic engineering mm-hmm. and pharmacy tech, but she's not like a expert in anti gravity. So what the fuck? I don't know. I didn't see anybody talking about the Roman numerals that are on his uh, catapult. Either. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he switches. He says like let's let's mm-hmm. load it back up, and then he switches it to another numeral. Yeah. What does that mean? Is he shooting in different directions? I don't know. Is he doing I, different I, amounts I of force? It was declination it... or elevation, but like right. So there's... so he's testing like the a uh, particular path, optimal pro- trajectory. But, right. But what is it telling him? Like I, I have I no know. idea. We're supposed to not know. Right. Okay, we go back to Angela returning home where Cal tells her that Lori came by. Well, he's prompted, and then he tells her Lori came by and asked who called on the night that Judd was killed. Cal apparently lied to her, which he hates doing, and he suggests that Lori might be an ally who could help her find the old man, but uh, Angela says she can do that herself. So this Uh, is where he's reading that book that we mentioned with the the title of the episode, Things Fall Apart. Uh Uh-huh. With with a name I don't know how to pronounce. So, do you? Are you talking you? about the guy's name? Yeah, did I don't you? have it in front of me. Okay. It's, it's like well, I'd have to scroll like fifteen pages to get to it. I feel uh, bad because he is a a notable figure in African literature. But uh-huh. look, I don't read African literature. I don't. I don't give a shit if his name was Sorry. Thomas Friedman. If I did, if I, if if I didn't have that name in front of me, I wouldn't be able to just call it out of my. You know. Yeah. You know, like I, uh, who's the guy who's writing the book, uh, The Stranger on Mister Robot. Uh, Camus? Fuck you. See? <laughs> you are racist. I'm not. Albert Camus? I only know that because I did a ton of research. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else to say about this scene? Or, uh, well, I mean, it's we, important we that Cal doesn't the... lie to people, I think. Yeah. And, and... he's there, there, there's this tension because, you know, mm-hmm. she picks a fight with him, but his point is like, I could easily be picking a fight with you because you're making me your step way to fuck outside of my con. He's so honest that he won't lie to his little girls about the small mm-hmm. comfort of like heaven versus the abyss of death. Yeah. And he's telling lies to a federal agent. And he's living see. a lie. I mean, yeah. they're, they're both living lies. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She's a cop. He's living with that information. Uh-huh. Not telling anyone. Like, But it's... I like that she's not doing like, you know, like, uh, you know, in true detective, uh, if this was like a husband and wife team, they would not be talking about shit at all. Like there wouldn't be like, but he knows literally everything that Angela knows. Yeah. It's just he's resentful that he has to like, you know, carry all this weight with inside the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go back to Lady True's daughter waking from a nightmare, going into her mother for comfort. Uh, Lady True sends her back to bed without much of that. And Will and Lady True discuss her concerns with his plans to reveal himself to Angela in due time. Mm-hmm. We find out there are three days until Angela will hate Will for what he's done. Mm-hmm. So much shit. This is a dense scene here. So there's the things that, so let's let's talk about the things we know. Yeah. Uh, Lady True is pumping her daughter full of some chemical mm-hmm. that appears to be triggering some memory 
that she herself doesn't have from like the Vietnam War. That's that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like Lady True's experience was one of you know the atrocities in Vietnam, or it could uh, be Lady True's mother, given their relative ages and could whatnot. Be. Yeah, and that Lady True and Bo and Will themselves would draw a connection between this medical treatment that uh, Bien's having with these pills mm -hmm. that uh, Will says helps him with his memory. Yeah, uh, there's this idea that they are trying to both show their offspring actual things that they've gone through to express some sort of truth to them. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know. And, and I've got some it, theories, but... And is it being done through the chemicals or is uh -huh. it being done through a sort of drip feed of information over time? And I, I think there are two ways to read, you know, what Will says about like, oh, is, it, is that why you do the same thing to your daughter? Mm -hmm. Uh he could be talking about, you know, just giving little bits of information, right? Cause she doesn't, she hears this, this about this nightmare, but she doesn't say, oh yeah, that was my experience. You right. know, like the, the things that you're mm -hmm. living, re reliving here or not dreaming about are things that I actually experienced or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Will is sort of, you know, being cagey with Angela. Is it the chemicals or is it just information? I think, uh, I think they're kind of the same because they say that these pills are essentially are, are passive aggressive, aggressive exposition. Um, right, but leaving the pills as a breadcrumb to follow to get mm -hmm. other information could be a thing. Like, Oh, I see. Is it actually the chemicals that induce memories or is it the... They wanted you, well, I'd say this. The show seems to want you to think that, whether that's for misdirection yeah. purposes or it's because that's actually what's happening. The sh it seems like the show because yeah. you 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 cut to the IV and then you focus in on Vien and she wakes up and she has this nightmare, mm -hmm. a nightmare that if you go with this a Vietnam War experience that she can't possibly have had. Right. Um, do you? Yeah, so, I, I I tend to agree with that. The other thing that was revealed is the wills now wheelchair bound. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of have the, you know had hints that. Uh, uh, you know, he's him himself said that I can, you know, I can lift 200 pounds and we're skeptical because he has a wheelchair, but like, uh, he's, turns out he's a large, powerful man. Louis, mm -hmm. uh, Louis Gossett Jr. is six foot four. And I thought like when he stood up, they actually built up his, uh, they actually might've padded out his chest and give him that kind of like barrel superhero kind of look. Uh -huh. Um, because in other scenes you can kind of see that he's still, he's, you know, he's a pretty old dude. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and then they, they, so just in three days, something's going to happen that's caused Angela to hate him. Yeah. Uh, that she'll know what he did and she'll uh, that she'll hate me for it. And he's in all the way on this plan. And as they look at the clock, he says "tick tock," which is a direct parallel to what the clan, the the Seven Calvary says. And I think this clock is supposed to be done at the same time that Angela will hate him in three days. Seems right? like it, yeah, because it's it's currently being constructed. If it's you know, I mean, I, I guess that's just an assumption we're making that the three days is tied to the completion of the clock. But it seems like a reasonable assumption. I think so. Um, the other place you can tie this in is with Bite, because mm -hmm. there were four candles on his cake, and we are presuming he's been gone for seven years, and oh, these candles yeah. somehow mm -hmm. are anniversary candles that tie to those seven years. There are three of those left. So years a day of and days, years, that's a very Bible biblical thing. Shit yeah. you're pulling on me, Jim. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, but I don't think it's coincidence um, that three days from now, three candles from now, something will happen. Uh, and the Seven K is also talking about a big event. Were they talking about Judd's death, or are they talking about something else? 
that could be coinciding with the countdown here. You know what? I just when you said it like that, also seven K that that number seven there. That's that's number again. It's the, it's the period yeah. of uh, Adrian's exile. That's true. Um, I didn't think about it. What were you? What was your actual? Because like that's where is my it possible mind went. that there's something big coming soon? I think they're related. Yeah, for sure. Could could be tied to this. Yeah, I've got a I've got a theory, a kind of unification theory that um, I was talking to this uh, to I was talking about this with uh, my friend Anthony Ladon. Uh, he and I worked on a book together on Game of Thrones. He said, "Have you heard about the theory of transgenerational trauma?" Um, and so he gave me some things to research on this. And I guess this is uh, a theory that came up in the 60s when um, you had the survivors of the German concentration camps um, that clinicians observed in the 60s that a lot of number of, of, of their children of these survivors were seeking treatment in these crisis clinics throughout Canada. Uh, that the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors were 300% more likely to be referred to a, a child psychiatry clinic in comparison to the general population. And this led to, with this plus with theories of epigenetics, which is um, the study of heritable changes uh, that do not involve alteration of a DNA sequence. Um, so like an example of that is we all know that we all come from an egg that gets fertilized, that is a human cell, and it starts dividing um, and at some point they start dividing and they're all the same cells, but at some point they start differentiating cell into nervous systems and bones and arms and legs and feet and toes and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's the same DNA. So like what causes the cells to start becoming like feet and fingers and toes, um, there's all this other it's like, it's like the, the, your dna is just like a one part of it it's it, it's it's presence of certain hormones certain developmental chemicals in the womb that cause this stuff to kind of uh, sort out it's also the same reason why you know uh children with uh, parents that have black hair can occasionally be blonde or redhead because like that uh whatever um even though the the, the dna the dna is there and the the the, the, the those genes get expressed or repressed and that what was actually what has a, a big uh, a big um a big impact in how we actually look so there's this idea that like if there's a presence the presence of like stress hormones in a parent when they're conceiving a child or carrying a child that that um could have some kind of genetic switch it it, it uh, flips on to and it would make the child more susceptible to um, stress and depression later in life. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a survival mechanism for like, uh, if, you know, think about, uh, you know, 200,000 years ago, primitive humans, uh, they, they're going through a drought or a famine and it causes something to change to make them fundamentally more conservative or more cautious or, you know, whatever. And that's a survival trait that we inherit. Um, but they, I also read that there's like studies they've done on mice where they can prove that like, th that like certain fears can be passed on, uh, they had this experiment where they took these laboratory mice and they exposed them to a strong smell and then they accompanied that smell with an electric shock and the mice learned to fear the the scent alone so they would start having a stress response if they just smell the smell but they discovered this fear could be passed down to the mice's offspring so the offspring would never experience an electric shock but the children of these mice would show the same stress response that their parents did um, and this would this would uh, last for two to three generations um, where you could expose these mice and their children to this chemical smell and they'd all freak the fuck out before that response was lost. Um, so they, they kind of like if a laboratory experimented that like some of these stress changes can be inheritable through this epigenetic 
genetic memory. And they talked about how, you know, this the concept of transgenerational trauma has been recorded in refugees and their children, and that can persist through several generations. Uh, traumas from violence, political persecution, family instability, hardships of migration, slavery, racial di- discrimination. It seems like there might be something that they're playing a lot around with this, you yeah. know, especially in uh, centered around African Americans or Black Americans. Um, which leads me to the next thought is. Is the Millennium Clock some form of uh, like an, like a, a that 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 Lady True is using these chemicals and her um, her her expertise in genetic engineering that this is going to be something that causes like a mass change in the same way that like Ozymandias you know he had the psychic squid that caused a mass change in the world is she building this thing and and and, and deliberately engineering like a, a near race war to kind of prove that something can be done about it. Like if you got this like seventh cavalry and some device or some chemical that's released by this millennium clock, um, forces them to like in a genetic way, go through the trauma of like racial injustice or something and cures them of the racism. Um, yeah, that could be where the show is headed. Yeah. Uh, it seems like there are a lot of pieces that, that fit into that puzzle. Yeah. I, I think that's, pretty that's that's my that's my current working theory that this Mm -hmm. is like some kind of like um statement on this epigenetic and transgenerational trauma and lady true's attempts to um solve it and also there's like there's other add-ons that i saw the people building on this theory like uh the reason ozymandias is trapped in some kind of like limbo state is because lady true doesn't have the answer herself but she's forcing him to think about it and like that might be like why he's experimenting with writing this play um you know like he like if he's he's got these uh these these life forms that don't seem like they can learn or make these connections he's always frustrated like you know why they can't comprehend certain things like if he can get them to have an empathetic response like he's slaughtering yeah. them and doing like all this and 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 but and and it, it's it's like how can i get these humans to kind of care for each other mm-hmm. I, I don't know there's there's something there there i think that's that's interesting yeah i think inducing empathy uh would be an interesting way for this show to go. I'm trying to reconcile this with her labeling of Will's pills as passive aggressive exposition. Is it because he didn't force feed these pills to her? Is that the passive aggressive part? Is she willing to, you know, take it one step further and force everyone to have this shared uh, experience to, to yeah, enable that, the yeah. empathy button. So, so the passive aggressive there is like her with her child. She's just being aggressive aggressive. Right. She's like, pumping those chemicals right. Yeah. Into here's it. a needle. Here's the bag. Rapid infusion, honey. Where yeah. Will's kind of like making it seem like she has a choice, but there's also right. a deadline. I, yeah. I think so. Okay. You're onto some something sense. there too. Yeah. That's the end of the episode. We do have some PDPedia stuff. We'll to have talk to talk about, about the PDPedia. Where yeah. do you want to begin? <laughs> Uh, it's a very it's just, it's 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 one yeah, interesting entry the and then one very short entry that is nevertheless very long and girthy. Uh, there, God, <laughs> some would say it's about thirteen inches by four inches. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. so let, let's talk about. It. There's a schematic of of the Manhattan Dick dildo that is vibrator called Excalibur. Gym, vibrator. If it's, yeah, it's, it's it a is, dildo. It if is it technically vibrate, a yeah. vibrator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we got verification that the balls are in fact the batteries. Yep, detachable right left. separately, left, uh-huh. right, and center, as, as they yeah, say. Left, right, and shaft. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. You should go take a look at that. 
because it just it, has it, a lot of things that are labeled. Yeah, the, the funniest one was like there's this handwritten note about the rubber sheathing failed during self testing. <laughs> who, who self tested this? I mean, so, so okay, let's talk. Night Owl is what my opera, you know. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk about the other document, okay. so which this... is an interview uh, with Lori and an FBI agent, an interrogation of mm -hmm. Lori. And and this in 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 the stream of time, this happens on four twenty five ninety five, which is six days after the time in our mm -hmm. um, in our timeline where uh, Timothy McVeigh bombed the, the Murray Building in in Oklahoma. But apparently in the Watchmen universe, Lori stopped that attack. Yes. Perhaps her and Dan both teamed because yeah. this is described as like one last job that they did together. Uh -huh. um, I think you're right about that. And it, also in that document, uh, the transcription of the interview, it's revealed that Dan's company uh, was both selling uh, the, the Archie stuff to the military and the local police mm -hmm. and also developed Excalibur. Yeah. And this is Merlin Corp, which yeah, um, and Excalibur is the name of the Manhattan thing. Uh -huh. uh, this also is very heavily redacted. There's a lot of things that are super interesting, but uh, they that that you know that it's redacted. And they re there's a couple other things they reveal that um, uh, first of all I thought was interesting is this is this uh, interrogation is being in, uh, conducted by an agent David Latimer. And I just just uh, just a shot in the dark. I just searched for David Latimer, and I came a bunch of articles that there's this 80 year old dude who, back on Easter Sunday for extra fucking Lindelof flavor, planted a garden in a giant glass ball and has kept this vivarium going for uh, well since 1960, so 60 years. And he's only opened it once to add a little bit of water, and it's been going this whole time. Okay, so. There's that. And um, the connection being that we were treated to a vivarium that Lady yeah, True was like living these closed in. ecosystems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It could just be an Easter egg, but I thought it's it's well, it's Easter Sunday egg. Um that's only been open once. Uh but also reveals that she is not going by Lori Blake yet, but she is calling herself the comedian. Yeah. Um that they before this Oklahoma City bombing thwarting that they apparently joined forces together that her and Night Owl had a falling out over him wanting to settle down and have children and her wanting to buy guns. Mm -hmm. um, so going a little bit less nonviolent in their crime fighting and that they she implies that they hadn't been lovers for some time. Um, and then there is this thing where the agents asked her about Rorschach's whereabouts and she gives a long answer that goes back and forth between the agents, and it's all redacted except for the phrase, Mars, if you'll remember, everyone going, or everyone in the world thought, or wait, sorry, it says, Mars, if you'll remember, everyone thought the world was about to fucking end, and then there's more back and forth, and then there's the comment, sad little redhead with lifts in his shoes, which is probably referring to Rorschach. Mm -hmm. uh, then they find that she has this attache, steel attache case, and she says, you got to be careful of that because the contents have been known to cause cancer. It's just this is all joke about Manhattan tech. Yep. She also uh, says that this is something Dan created for her when they broke up as kind of like a personal fuck you because um, maybe they had some angry fights about, you know, Manhattan and her being stuck on him. And then she uh, threatens the agents with knowledge. She says, you should tell your boss to tell his boss to tell his boss to tell Gatsby that I know what really happened on 11-2, which is the date of the first psychic squid attack. Well, the fake psychic squid attack. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? 
I mean, I hope the 7K doesn't get a hold of this dildo because it is lithium powered. <laughs> it's the world's largest Imagine. single source of Dr. Manhattan energy technology. Imagine sure. what they could do with that. Yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah, we've forgotten about that. Did, the did, lithium battery. I haven't was, forgotten. Was that was that the or was that in the vest? Or did, did, did we've already seen it blow up? No, I don't. I don't think we've seen anything from did, that. Yet. Well, I mean, it would be interesting this if they made the a big dirty event. bomb and the, ever, yeah. all the cops there are going to come down with cancer or something. Uh, like, yeah, everyone yeah. was suspecting dirty bomb. We saw Seventh Cavalry make a bomb and explode himself, and nobody connected that to the watch batteries that I saw. It's just really fucking hard to do cancer as a bomb on television like what do you what do you show do you flash forward 30 years and i mean say, they did it with the they, they did it with the original man uh watchman where it's like you know um they they just did it you know these people are getting cancer it's john oh no it's not john here's the inset of like these gases being going through certain this would be fleet. like very rapid onset yeah cancer just like can yeah. you get is is can you get rapid onset cancer? I mean, I think there are cancers that can eat you in a matter of a year or so, but a year, yeah, but like, but you still have to flash forward quite a bit, and and really like that's got to be your big reveal, and then you because it seems like with the radiation, like if you survive the initial blast, like yeah. your problem is that you've got just a greatly elevated chance of cancer, but it's not like it's going to kill you like in a month or two. It's going to be yeah, a year, years. multiple years. Like those guys mm-hmm. when we were watching. Uh, uh, Chernobyl, like that was like five years on when they were really starting to drop like flies. Yeah, the ones that uh, at least survived their initial blast. So, yeah, I don't. It's it's not quite as dramatic an immediate effect as yeah. like you know psychic squid explosions or Doctor Manhattan energy vaporizing people. Yeah. Like her, her saying to tell Gatsby. That's a, a reference to Robert Redford, right? Because he played the Great Gatsby. Oh, did he? In an adaptation. I, I didn't know that. So she's saying, like, you know, run it up the chain. Tell the president that I know. Nice. Okay. So yeah, she's got f- friends in high places too. It seems <laughs> she does. Uh, anything else, or should we go to feedback? Uh, we've got feedback. If you'd like to send it to us, it's easy to do so. Send an email to Watchman at baldmove.com, or you can get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. If you'd like to discuss your latest crazy clone theory, your latest lube man theory with your fellow fans. Uh, let's get on to Lauren has a few thoughts and questions for us. The interrogation file in PDpedia, which we were just talking about, was interesting. Lori preventing Timothy McVeigh from blowing up the Murrah building by killing him, which seems consistent with her M.O. It does tie her back to Oklahoma well before the beginning of the series, which I can't seem to figure out why that matters. I also wonder when she becomes known as Lori Blake, since in this transcript she has original name, but is also known as a comedian. Uh, that's a good question at the end. Do you have any thoughts about the Oklahoma tie-in? No. Because my thought is like, what if... So that's 10 years after Adrian's scheme. Mm-hmm. What if like that, that they're they're positing that this... That, that, that's, that's, I don't know. I'm trying to draw a connection between bombs and cancer bombs and 7th Cavalry bombs and psychic squids and, and something that they... And, and Lady True engineering some kind of uh, severe racial animosity so she can test this empathy bomb like that this like like this has been in the works for 30 years and this is this is a, a grand realization of this scheme but it's it's like mm-hmm. on the tip of my tongue but I can't quite put it together it isn't just coincidence that Lori's out there fucking in, in, around in Oklahoma though right it doesn't seem like it uh, and then, of course, we have the diagram of Dr. Manhattan and his, and his dildo that's not just a dildo I don't really understand the diagram but it seems like it's more than what it looks like I 
I don't know because there's like uh, references to like subatomic particles and but it also just seems like it's it's a vibrator with maybe some Dr. Manhattan tingles, mm-hmm. some ionizing, you know, to give the get get you that authentic licking a battery flavor uh, and sensation. Yeah. Uh, what do we think of Cal's accident was? I'm really curious to learn more about his and Angela's backstory and how they met in Vietnam. Do we know that Angela was an orphan until this episode? I think uh, I thought so, but because we were wondering like why she adopted this family, and then in the second episode they revealed that like these were uh, her partner's kids, or like mm-hmm. these were children of slain officers. So that made sense. But now that she's in, now it makes like double triple sense because we know that she was a orphan. Perhaps Cal was too. So mm-hmm. like you have all these kids that need homes. This family's got a fucked up history. Yeah, of parents dying. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like uh, every generation's parents die. Yeah. There's well, some, I mean, that's true of every generation a, <laughs> that's ever existed. But yeah, no, traumatically. Being, but traumatically. It goes back yeah. to the epigenetic trauma theory that like, you know, this keeps happening. This keeps happening. Right. Does it keep happening because it keeps happening? A small detail from the entire insane Vite storyline. What do we think he's going to do with that horseshoe? He keeps saying he doesn't need it yet, which means it just isn't the new Mr. Phillips being confused. It actually has some sort of purpose. That's, that's what I'm going it's for, Lauren. lithium powered. It vibrates. And it's designed for two holes, not just it's one. Design, or it's designed to <laughs> penetrate the anus while tickling the taint. Yes. Yeah. Gently vibrating the balls. There's your purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ironclad. Uh, Stanislav. It's pretty clear that Lady True is the one holding Vite captive based on the cloning parallels and the fact that she's capable of terraforming an enclosed space to replicate a desired atmosphere. In her case... She lives in a faux Vietnam in the middle of Oklahoma. It's not much of a stretch that she could create a faux whales for Vite on another planet. True. <laughs> right. You know, like people who build biodomes here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not much I've of a that, stretch I've seen to that think, Shore oh, movie. Saturn, why not? <laughs> Let's put one there. Yeah. Clouds of Venus. We're coming. We're coming. Cloud City. Best. But moon. no, when you're a trillionaire and it's in the sci-fi world that we're talking about. Sure. I think it's fair to say it's not that huge of a stretch. Uh, what's... It is... It is, uh, they will have some bit of explaining to do because, like, how do you do that outside of the government finding out? Mm-hmm. You know, we have live satellite imagery of Mars. And there is that thing, like, it, Dr. Manhattan is connected in some way because he yeah. does not build in castles that look like Veidt's castle on Mars for nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's more interesting is how or why True or Veidt came to this arrangement. Veidt implies that he was tricked into thinking he wasn't really going to be imprisoned. That's no small feat considering his status as the smartest man on the planet. I suspect Lady True appealed to his ego since Veidt uh, probably sees himself as a demigod among mortals. She probably convinced him to go off in isolation to do god shit? Emulating Dr. Manhattan? Uh, that's where I don't... Yeah, it, it's it's unclear to me. Uh, it would be turnabout for Adrian, who used so many people uh, to just murder them to cover up his tracks, uh, to be used himself in that way. Uh, and I don't know, Lady True seems like she's pretty smart too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're cloning impossibly. You're 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 conceiving children from eggs that are non-viable. You're you're cloning babies at the bottom of a lake somehow. Uh, but he doesn't he say since I was sent here. Does sent imply that he went against his will? No, because you can be sent on a mission that turns out to be a suicide mission, but that doesn't mean that you were sent against your will, you know? Yeah. It's true. 
So, but it's it is a it is an interesting neutral kind of word choice for sure. Barry, I think the clan hood is going to be Chekhov's clan hood. Uh, boy, what's Walter Kanin going to say about that? Angela giving it the looking glasses, uh, in my opinion, is going to set him up accidentally being framed as a 7th Cavalry member, especially as it looks a bit like Rorschach, or he looks a bit like Rorschach, has been shown to be a prepper. Uh, to an outsider, he fits the profile. That would be a tragedy, because he seems like a he seems like above the... the Above the board, above the 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 hood board kind of guy, <laughs> but that would be what's his that view on people paying taxes? That's what I want to know. Got it. Got to see. It's as long as it goes to squid research, he's fine. Right. Uh, interesting theory. I'll be ta- uh, keeping my eye on that one, Barry. Stephanie, a few random thoughts about the latest insanity-filled episode. Maybe True's daughter is a clone of her, and that's why she retains the memories of Vietnam. Could be. Uh, she also parenthetically keeps wondering about the woman the comedian killed in Vietnam as Dr. Manhattan looked on that was hmm. pregnant with his child. Actually, if we're going with this epigenetic uh, memory mm-hmm. transfer, mm-hmm. wouldn't we have to say that a clone is not likely to experience that because it's not actually a product of... Which would explain the chemicals they're pumping it full of. Right, right. So there's there's somehow... Yeah, so the the clone would be pumped full of these memory inducing chemicals mm-hmm. that a, a natural born child would have automatically gotten yeah. through the birth birth process. Like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's wild, uh, and you start thinking about some things that I was reading after the first episode, where people were speculating that maybe Manhattan saved this baby somehow, and this baby became Lady True. Uh, and oh, she's... right, the the one that uh, you know, comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe killed, maybe didn't kill. Yeah, like Manhattan would have to would would have to like intervene there. And he mm-hmm. certainly is in his powers to do so. Yeah. I don't know. That'll be that'll be wild. My take on the pills that Will left behind is that it's like when an unsure lover leaves behind a jacket or watch. Perhaps he intentionally left them because he wanted to have a reason to engage with Angela again. That's why True is calling him out as being unnecessarily manipulative. Yeah. Um and also, yeah, I guess that makes sense to the passive aggressive. Like, you mm-hmm. know, she's trying to like prompt uh, Angela to 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 ask about that, and she's like, "No, nah, have him ask me himself." Yeah, you know, be aggressive, aggressive about it. Uh, also, uh, in her opinion, Adrian's totally on the moon because hashtag transitions matter. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad, Stephanie, because I spent a lot of this episode arguing that the transitions are all bullshit in the show. I think transitions matter. The first scene was a flashback. Adrian Veidt's on the moon. Yeah. I so neither Lady True nor her daughter ages perceptibly. Or that she's a, a second clone that was made seven years later. Mm. Uh, she's They're time traveling in that scene. Who the fuck knows? She's Dr. Manhattan. She can assemble herself. In she any, could be Dr. You know, Manhattan. Uh, he, he can look like anybody. Mm-hmm. Even though everyone says that's impossible. As we've pointed out, There's that's that seems ludicrous. If you can change your size, you can change your color. Mm-hmm. Well, you just can't say change the shape of your face. What the fuck? Uh, John brought up the thermodynamic miracle in the books when Laurie was trying to convince him to save or even care about the Earth. This idea reminded me that people as individuals are, or reminded him rather, that people as individuals are miracles. Also, the Billy Holiday was singing that you are my thrill during a sweet scene with Night Owl and Laurie in the book. Nice callback to the show to have Laurie playing it in the car. Yeah, I didn't miss. I I did not catch that. So thanks for pointing that out to us, Stephanie. Tommy, 
I thought showing Looking Glass's bunker was an interesting choice in an episode that talks about the survivability of the clock that's much more than a clock. Are they implying there's some extinction-level event that's going to occur, that the clock was built to survive? Is that what's happening in three days? I think hmm. it's a pretty good guess. Yeah. It's going to be an even bigger, more psychic squid. It's going to fall. It's going to cover all of North America. And that... I mean, it's got to have something to do with the... That tower is going to be the bamboo boo, boo skewer that a giant Manhattan is going to eat the squid like so much sushi. I don't know. Well, I lost the plot. <laughs> okay. I lost the plot. You know, he's only got 30 seconds. He better be quick. <laughs> he, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's all just you want. Are you gonna, do you eat squid live? Is that a thing? I assume that squid but sushi is... But they completely is, dissolve. They're gone after 30 seconds. Mm, that's why it's taking so long to protect, perfect the perfect the perfect consistency of squid flesh is going to survive more than 30 seconds. Mm, yeah, he's going to have to drink the squid if he waits <laughs> too long. That's no good. He's Dr. Manhattan. He can do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt, overall not super crazy about the show so far as it seems to prioritize the mystery boxes over its characters. Has a very strong lost smell to it in mm-hmm. that it very much likes to leave the audience completely in the dark for way too long such that when things resolve or not and you start to piece together all the characters' motivations and decisions that went with it, Many of them don't make sense, and the whole thing may very much fall apart, which is very losty. I mean, you're not wrong, except for this is only episode four, and it's already revealed a lot of the weird stuff, like things that people were like... You say that, but this episode was the weirdest yet. It keeps introducing more weird shit, absolutely. we have no idea what's going to happen next episode, so like... Absolutely. It just keeps getting weirder and weirder. I thought we were in Act 2. But we are getting answers along the way, right? Like a lot of things that people are like, I know the whole thing in Episode 1 or 2. It's just like Episode 3 is revealed. That's the recipe for loss. Like it gives you one answer and asks you four more questions. I felt like, Like, yes, but those answers you had to wait several seasons to get. And it's like it's... it's, The, The saving grace of this is it's a one season arc. It's nine episodes. Yeah. So like only three more episodes than lost had seasons so <laughs> right uh like my, my patience is a lot lot longer on, on a mm-hmm. commitment like this i think anyway yeah pierre i was thinking about judd and his relationship with angela they had such chemistry it's a real blow to imagine him as a clan leader bent on her eradication it could certainly be the case but it'd be more interesting if we were to let we were led to judge judd without all the facts exposing the audience's based biases in the processes, such as he was a white man in Oklahoma after all. While I was thinking about that, I realized just how many legacies from the first Watchmen are being filled by female characters this time around. Lori Blake takes on the legacy of the comedian. Lady True seems to be taking on the legacy or role of Ozymandias. Sister Knight will have to wrestle with the legacy of Hooded Justice. She also keeps using those Night Owl glasses. This has me thinking that Jane Crawford may be the one to have taken up the 7th Cavalry slash KKK leader role. She's got a connection to Senator Keene, whom we suspect. Uh, the old uniform and painting could belong to Jane, just as well as Judd. Maybe we'll see Judd's father or grandfather handed the mantle down to Jane due to her political power or connections. Um, I Yeah, I, I, I said that theory last episode, so like I'm yeah. clearly sympathetic. Now, the only thing I don't... I, I th- I thought, and this, but this could be my own sexist bias that like the letter was addressed to a male heir. It is, but we don't know if it came from a grandfather or, or a father. father. Right. So if it's grandfather, then maybe the father decided to pass it on to Jane. Yeah. But Judd is the son, right? Mm-hmm. Jane's not the daughter in this situation. And and also what? Yeah. And if he's not down with the Seventh Cavalry, then why is he so cavalier about going out unprotected? 
you know, when the protection of Jane, when they're they're being gunned. Yeah, well, he would have to be in on it. He's seven cavalry. He knows he's he's in on it some some way. Right? No, it's it's. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I could just I buy, buy that he is some kind of like deep cover agent that he's like listening to conservative mm-hmm. radio because he wants to know how they think. And, you know, he wasn't concerned. But but yeah, it's nah, I the more I think it, the more it has to be Judd or no one like Judd, yeah. Judd's either the 7K guy and has the connections or uh, and maybe his wife is in on it. But I'm thinking he's like, that's his his robes. Hmm. You know, he's he's the one who knew about the closet. Yeah. And Jane, maybe she knows about the closet as well. But. I will say that, like, it's standard mystery box tactic to bear, submarine a character who's important. Like, Jane was very important to the first mm-hmm. three episodes, and she's completely absent in this episode. So, like, the way one way to misdirect and let us forget is to just keep her submarine for the next couple episodes. And then if she surfaces in episode seven, then mm-hmm. buckle up. Jane, Jane being a, a cavalry member is confirmed. Uh, Tiang Paul, uh, I wanted to highlight some of the underlying themes I was able to pick up in an under- otherwise incredibly weird but wildly entertaining episode. I think thematically this episode, Lindelof ruminates on legacy, lineage, and existence itself, and given that, I'd argue his underlying thesis statement is the importance of knowing where you came from to get to where and who you need to be. This is spelled out in two instances. First, when Lady True says she'll kill the baby if the Clarks don't sign over her land, but then saying she was joking... She just find a baby another home. In this exchange, Lady T inadvertently parallels killing the Clark baby with it growing up around strangers and never knowing where it came from or who it truly was. A Clark. Lindelof marks this lack of knowing where one comes from as a fate just as tragic as death. Um, secondly, we can see this thematically with Angela discovering her family tree as well as Lady True. In theory, feeding her daughter memories of where she, Lady T, or even Lady T's mother came from. Vietnam, with nightmares of soldiers waking you up in the middle of the night and forcing you to walk miles in the jungle while barefoot. Uh, he, They are saying that this sounds a lot like uh, Vietnam War era Viet Cong tactics, which is interesting because I think mm. you and I are conditioned to think that, oh, that's probably Americans being assholes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like we said on the Instant Podcast, there was assholes on both sides for sure. Mm. It would also explain why Will thinks that he and Lady T, the patriarch and matriarch of their respective lineages, are doing the same thing. He's passively, aggressively leading Angela to discover who she is, while Lady T is actively forcing her daughter to literally passively learn about her own lineage via IV while she sleeps. We talked a little bit. Um, I think, yeah, this is all really interesting, especially since, you know, one of the things that... um, uh, is often remarked about the black experiences America is unlike, you know, a lot of us who can trace our ancestors back to the old country and know exactly which village we came from. A lot of uh, uh, the uh, our, our black American neighbors uh, don't have that luxury mm-hmm. um, that it's just like, you know, the 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 the, the North Atlantic slave trade is just kind of like a permanent black box that you can't get past it's like it's like the big bang like you can't you can't see what happened before that which um to the extent that legacy and knowing where he came from is important um that would be a real blow to you Mm -hmm. so i kind of like how they are um playing with these concepts or not playing with them illuminating these concepts john uh chinua achebe's book Things Fall Apart is one of the most well-read books in African literature. The book was published in 1958. It was written as a response to the racism Ashabe found in Joseph Conrad's book, Heart of Darkness. 
Even though Conrad wrote the book as a criticism of imperialism, that it was sold as a mission of civilization, but as Conrad points out in the book, it's actually a system of horrific violence, occupation, and resource extraction. Despite this good intention, it still is in um, Achebe's view, depicted the people of Africa from a white point of view with no understanding of the cultures they were supplanting, even by those who recognized the violence and criticized it. Things Fall Apart is set in a semi-fictionalized Nigeria near the turn of the century, just before and then during the first Christian missionary invasion, then the following English military invasion of the region. It depicts a fully realized culture, not mindless savages eager for a white savior. These are not animals to be tamed, but full human beings. The main character is banished, then he returns. When he does, his society is changed due to the influence of the Christian missionaries and the British authorities after them. Those who held lower status positions in the culture that had been theirs have adopted Christianity and are rising in recognition as the British imperialists gain power and want to work with those who have converted. Ashabi does not uh, soften his portrayal of uh, Igbu culture to make them into two-dimensional good guys attacked by mustache-twirling villains. The main character, um, Ok. Uh, Okonkwo beats his wives and children, for example. He's obsessed with showing his strong masculinity. The imperialists who came to dominate his country also brought medicine and modern conveniences. Those things are also destroyed parts of the culture built around ritual, health, food preparation, etc. It's complex like life always is. It's not a simple narrative. Importantly, Ashabe wrote the book in English, the language of the imperialists, in order to speak to them. Given all this, what does it mean for our show? I don't know. I hope that by giving you this background, you guys might have some ideas. The first thing I thought of was the German leaflet advising black soldiers not to fight for a U.S. that had racial apartheid systems. There's a direct relationship with African slavery where the same sort of cultural annihilation occurred amongst many different cultures brought to the U.S. and ripped apart, never allowed to have any traditions or culture not imposed from the top by the white slave owners, which is also, uh, broadly speaking, Christian culture. Does this go beyond the black-white themes of the season, though? Another imperial force one could imagine is Dr. Manhattan's, the Adrian Veidt's, the Lady Trues of the world, and whatever plans they have for Tulsa, or even all of humanity with their money, power, and genetic science. A lot of big questions there. Um, I do think there is a strong parallel with that German leaflet that, like, it seems like these... um, the, the British colonials used the underclasses of this African Nigerian society as converts and inroads to then split apart that society in much the same way the Germans were trying. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we know that you are not re- not appreciated. You're not maybe living up to your full potential. Uh, you're maybe being held back by the society. So why don't you help us fight against them? And then things will be hunky-dory for you. Yeah, um, That's... Like I said, that's that's the only thing that I uh, uh, I had over your own analysis, which uh, I thought was pretty excellent, John. Mm-hmm. Eli, so watching reactions to episode four of The Watchmen crystallized just how important children and parent-child relationships are in The Watchmen series. We've seen eggs as a major motif, but if you consider newborns, then we can add in the Squidfall, Vite's servants, and Angela's foster family as part of the same thematic discussions. This ties into the greater theme of legacies, both personal ones, that of American, and that of the original Watchmen comic. If we assume all the child-related weirdness is from the same source, then Lady True is likely responsible for the fetus pond, and thus Ozymandias' prison, and the periodic squid fall. 
Further, though, if we assume her father, her daughter is a clone who is being given memories of her mother through an IV drip, already assuming a lot here, and these memories are of Vietnam death marches, it would make sense that the adult Lady True we see is also a clone with her own mother's memories from the Vietnam War. You know, one thing we didn't talk about with this uh, whole squid fall and how in 1995, Lori presumably dropped a dime on the whole scheme to President Redford um because we're kind of debating whether these periodic squid falls were like some kind of natural phenomenon caused by ozymandias fucking with science or whether this was like the government trying to do something doesn't do you have a does it feel to you like this is putting your the thumb on the side of the scale that the government's doing a cover-up because the government knows it's bullshit or uh, yeah at the very least it's extremely likely they do i doubt she says that and then doesn't divulge any information yeah yeah she decides not to so, play ball yeah no that that does add a wrinkle and hmm, i don't know how that affects it uh but also puts will's comments continuing jessica's comment uh that the pills were there to help with his memory and perspective the reason he appears so young for his age is that a uh he is a clone or possibly more darkly he's actually angela's biological father and keeps a sense of self by taking pills that contain the original will reeves memories Thus, of Angela and possibly anyone else, but they may need to be genetically related. Insert technobabble by genetic memory takes the pills. They will get back to they get his backstory firsthand. Holy shit! Well, no, wait a second. Angela would recognize her biological father, wouldn't she? Unless, how old was she when her parents? Yeah, were killed? I don't know. I don't know. Like, old enough to meet with, like, unless they're, like, saying that her and Cal met when they were children and they were, like, childhood sweethearts. I don't know. We don't, we don't know enough, but, like. Yeah, we don't, we don't quite have enough information. Or she's saying that, like, her, what she thinks of her parents are not her real parents. Mm -hmm. So this is, like, you know, biological father. And and I guess they play that in Watchmen because Lori uh, was raised by a man who she thought was her father, but it Mm -hmm. turns out it was a comedian. So there's definitely that shell game being played here. If this is actually true, then it draws thematic links between Brian or Beyond, Will, Phillips, and Crookshanks and the Squidfall. They're all people created with the possible exception of Beyond without any kind of loving intent, but rather to serve a purpose. Beyond and Will literally exist to become their parents. They are a direct and forceful continuation of a legacy to the exclusion of their former self. We currently have Beyond as an independent person, but Will appears to have been completely subsumed by his past self. The squid and the prison servants are more directly and obviously victimized by callous creators and parental figures to serve an agenda. As of yet, it's unclear if the same view is taking, uh, being taken of Angela itself, herself. It may or not be a coincidence, but when the Simpsons wanted to portray, parody how Alan Moore's works were handled by others and how much he hated that, they went with the Watchmen babies. Um, I think that this theory is unnecessarily complicated by the, the trying to make Will um be like the father instead of the grandfather it's much cleaner if he's just a grandfather and then everything mm-hmm. else you say is absolutely right on yeah. beyond and phillips and crookshanks being like these these engineered things and not because of any uh, any any kind of love um because yeah i don't i don't know like i, I guess it kind of tracks that that will would take pills that make him be his dad but it could yeah I mean, that's the thing. The show's like, there's what what's O'Theory too weird that you can't... I mean, that's my hell. There isn't one. Is that, what is a theory that is too full of shit that I cannot read on this podcast? And also, 
what theory sounds so good that it's probably based on screeners that are floating around out <laughs> right. there and people speculating based on advanced knowledge. Because I had, mm-hmm. you know, our, our buddy Joanna uh, Robinson was just essentially calling people out on Twitter for doing that. Yeah. She's like, I'm looking at you and I've seen all the scale and I'm looking at people speculating. And I'm side eyeing y'all. So it's like, I don't know. This is like uh, season six of Game of Thrones all over again. What's real? What's not? Plus, you got squid babies and fetus farms and all that and stuff. The show is infinitely weirder than Game of Thrones, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And that show had ice zombies and dragons. Uh-huh. And dragon ice zombies, turns nothing. out. Uh, uh, that is the podcast that we have for this week. Uh, we will see if things make more sense after Sunday night. Uh, we will be there with you every step of the way. Uh, for instant take and instant talk podcast for club members uh, as soon as the 9 p.m eastern standard time airing is over with uh, so at 10 o'clock that's a long way to wait to say at 10 o'clock and then of course on tuesday we'll be back with our full coverage please send in uh, any feedback you have to watchmen at baldmove.com or again get on our forums forums.baldmove.com that's it for this week we'll see you on sunday night until then i'm aaron i'm jim see ya